Hello and welcome to the latest Liverpool Blood Red podcast, uh, hosted by me, Ian Doyle. With me is our LFC editor, uh, Andy Kelly, our full-time Liverpool reporter, James Pearce, and also reporter, Christian Walsh. Uh, we'll start by looking at looking back at the win at Chelsea, and we'll also look forward to the uh, League Cup game against Derby on Tuesday. But uh, James, you were down there at Chelsea on Friday. I mean, it's been a few days now, but the field of fact is still going for Jurgen Klopp and his players. Certainly is, yeah. It was um, just a hugely satisfying night all round and you know, a great way to kick off Friday night football. Um, Liverpool were able to bask in the glory of that result all over the weekend and enjoy some of their rivals slipping up along the way. Um, yeah, just hugely impressive, really. I think two, two sides to the performance, wasn't there? There was the first half where they just absolutely flew out of the traps and dominated Chelsea in all departments, first to everything, won battles all over the field completely outclassed them, made them look very pedestrian, um, created you know decent number of chances, scored two two decent goals and you know that didn't flatter them. And then inevitably Chelsea were you know they had to improve in the second half and they did. But I think just as satisfying as the fluency in the first half was the way Liverpool dug in when their backs were against the wall and they they were wobbling a bit at one stage. But ultimately they, they saw it out as something to spare and you know I think that probably would have Really delighted Klopp the fact that you know they they found that 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 kind of resilience to to see the game out and and secure most certainly their standout results so far this season. I mean, Christian, you were there at Stamford Bridge. I mean, what was the one thing that you took from the game? Uh, that the Chelsea pitch side announcers really annoying. But we kind of knew that already. <laughs> to, be <laughs> <fair>. <laughs> to be fair, regular sit next to him. Yeah, I had a next to him in, in, in the press box, um, and he was absolutely lacing Jordan Henderson before the game kicked off, and said he was the worst player in the Premier League. So uh, <laughs> he got a bit of a knee squeeze. When this that, is the sort of knowledge we like to hear. <laughs> this is the this is the inside the knowledge that you need. Delete. <laughs> <laughs> I think regulars at Stamford Bridge will know exactly what we're talking about there. But yeah. Was, was there anything else? On, on anything the pitch, else? once yeah. the game kicked off, I'd, I'll tell you who impressed me. Genie Wijnaldum. I know uh, Neil, who was also at Stamford Bridge, but he's not here today. Um, he, he wrote about him um, and his, his talking points. He was... I, I've been one of the... The tractor is, is probably a bit too far, but I, I've certainly asked the question a couple of times, you know... Still not quite sure what what he's here to do and what his role is, and you know I think part of that is that Wijnaldum himself was struggling to, to know that as well. But against Leicester and certainly against Chelsea, you could really see both on the back foot and the front foot. He knew exactly what he was doing. He fills those gaps really well. He tracks back. He's strong in the air. I mean, he's only five foot nine, I think, but he's he's got a good leap on him, and he just has that a nice little bit of synergy with Henderson and and, and Lallana. He's got an engine on him. Um, he likes to pop it around and. You know, it, it was one of those performances. I always think there's the, in, in, a, in a result like that against you know your Chelsea's and Manchester City's and Arsenal's, you always have those performances that float under the radar. And I think that did float under the radar. But he was absolutely superb. He was everywhere in that in that game. And uh, you know, when he got taken off with what, five ten minutes to go, it was clearly because he run himself into the ground. And you know, while others will take the plaudits for the goals and, and assists and, and whatnot. I think Ryan Alden really sort of looked every inch of a good Liverpool player. I mean, just to confirm, you did just hear Christian Walsh say the word synergy then, just to confirm. Andy, what did you make of it? You know what, I thought it was... Um, I, I wasn't there, so I was one of the... Uh, I, I was working in here, but uh, I thought it was tremendous. I mean, obviously, you know, Liverpool's first experience of the new Sky Friday night game. We discussed last week, you know, what would uh, you know fans think of it. And, you know, it was an absolute treat for... 
people watching at home. And I think everyone who managed to get down Stamford Bridge, including the three strong Echo team who all missed the train back the next day, um, it sounds like everyone very much enjoyed um, the result and the uh, and the post match uh, celebration, shall we say? So uh, in terms of the team, I thought you know a bit like Christian, I thought. Um, the impressive thing was the, the you know, most of all was that that period in the second half when they went under the cosh a wee bit and then they just passed the ball for 15 minutes. And I was just I remember looking at the clock thinking it was 70 odd minutes. Thought it's a long way to the finish line here. And then the next time I looked, it was like 88, and they, you know, there have barely been you know any trouble since. And that was the that was the best bit for me, just being able to pass the ball and take the sting out of a game that was threatening to sort of go a wee bit pear shaped. Different games and different opposition, of course. But just just imagine if Liverpool had done that against Sevilla after after Gamero scores that goal so early on. You know that that's exactly what Liverpool were lacking in 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 Val was was just that put your foot on the ball and just take the sting out of the game. And to be honest, again, I've been one of those who've, who sometimes question, can a club team control the game in, in that manner? You know, it's a little bit too frantic and, and frenetic, but, you know, it showed against Chelsea there, against a team that are quite good themselves at controlling a game and, and, and getting bodies forward that he, he can do that. Well, I think that, that shows two things. One is that, which Klopp said last week, is that, you know, uh, in his interview with um, with Sky before the game, Liverpool are a possession football team. You know, it's not all about pressing. Uh, and also, it shows that this incarnation of the team, as we might have expected, and which Klopp said is an obvious thing, is that we've improved since the Europa League final. Both we've got you know two or three members of personnel who are better, and also they've now had more time together to be able to um, you know create those understandings and those areas of the pitch where Klopp wants them to be. And uh, you know it's it's almost military esque at times whenever he you know he does the waving thing with his hand on the sideline where he wants everyone to go into the like position. Like a whistle, isn't it? Yeah. I know it's 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 a wee bit sort of mechanical if you like in terms of the beautiful game. But I think it's only in certain situations, and you know there's always been a bit of that in the game in terms of you know where you're at at a set piece and all these things. So um, no, I was uh, absolutely delighted with the with the result, and I think it shows that uh, you know you don't. Nobody's getting ahead of themselves, of course, but I think the shows apart from City, who look, you know, better than everybody else at the minute. Everybody else, Liverpool are well in that mix. James, when the uh, team sheet dropped, there was a, a name missing there that caused, uh, you know, certainly Liverpool supporters on social media to go into partial meltdown, and that was Roberto Firmino. But you know, he, he's the previous game against Leicester, he'd been arguably the best player. Everyone's been talking him up, and then he's not playing, and Liverpool pull out a, a result like that at Stamford Bridge. I mean, what does that tell you about? the squad that Jurgen Klopp's got, certainly with the players in, in terms of an attacking sense? I think, I think you could almost say it all the way through the squad, really. I think you'd probably say maybe at full-back is, is a little bit light. You'd be worried maybe if, certainly if Milner got an injury and obviously Klein on the other side. But, yeah, you're right. Certainly going forward, he's got great options. And I think, I think you know, even you know, the, Philip Coutinho is not a bad replacement, is he, to bring in. Uh, and as it, as it turned out, Liverpool didn't miss Firmino. But, yeah, I think he, obviously it was a... A shame he couldn't he couldn't take part, but it was it was so minor. I mean, Klopp said that uh, he's been back in full training since he's got a chance to pen against Derby on Tuesday night. But you know he has that luxury of not being able to take gambles. Where probably last season, I think he'd admit that at times he he did take a chance when players were only 65-70% fit. Um, and I thought you know I, I agree with Christian about Wijnaldum. I thought he was one of the unsung heroes the other night. Um, and obviously someone who did get a lot of praise, and rightly so, was Jordan Henderson alongside him, because 
we talk about that Europa League final earlier, and you know, obviously Henderson was a big miss then. You know, he was a big, big miss throughout last season. You know, the real Jordan Henderson, because you know, even when he did play, he wasn't able to do himself justice. And I thought that was a real proper captain's performance from him down there on Friday night. It was, you know, the kind of performance that it, the, the the guy who he took the armband from would have been proud of. You know, the way that he led from the front and used the ball intelligently, snapped into tackles. You know, he, everything he did. Had a real purpose to it, and obviously the the unbelievable strike was the icing on the cake for him. And the real Jordan Anderson that Piercy's is referring to, you know, Christian wrote a piece about this uh, last night, and and the fact is this is the real Jordan Henderson, but it's the real Jordan Henderson Mark Two. It's a different Jordan Henderson. It's Jordan Henderson playing a different position, playing this six role. Uh, and I have to say, you know, Klopp is obviously either through luck or design has has managed to find something Jordan Henderson, but I certainly never thought was going to be a, a good role for him in the sense that I always thought his best qualities were getting around the pitch, his athleticism, going box to box, and preferably getting in uh, and uh, raising his goal tally, which would never quite match the number of chances he got. And, uh, you know, he can still get in the opposition box and obviously still a threat. We saw that with the goal. But you know the number of players he's done that to that Christian wrote in his piece was you know it's it's it, they're mounting up now aren't they? It is. He's he's taking these players and he's supposed to redefine them. He's he's going against what the the common uh, preconception is, and so you look at someone like Lallana. He spent his entire career playing in 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 that you know the, that little gaps between the striker and the midfield, you know the number ten or or, or out wide, and he's looked at him and he's probably I think Klopp's just thought well. He's all about energy. Well, not all about energy, but one of his biggest attributes is his energy, the way he carries the ball. He can drive forward, and he hasn't really, when he was been playing in those front three positions, got much of a you know much of an end product for for someone that, who, who who plays so advanced. So drop him a little bit deeper, and then you get the best out of his energy. You get the best out of his ball skills, and you're also not putting as much pressure on him to score and assist. Now you know the irony is he's actually doing that. Plenty at the moment for England and and uh, Liverpool, but maybe that's just because the pressure's off his shoulders. Obviously, you look at Milner; he's become a left back. You know, you look at him, you think you know, he's always been played. He's, he's pretty much the opposite side of where he was throughout most of his career on the right wing. But he's he's transferred those skills. You look at Henderson. You look at Wijnaldum. He was always seen as a bit of a luxury player at Newcastle. Couldn't do it away from home, and now he's been slap bang in the middle. Of the midfield against Arsenal, Tottenham, and Chelsea away. So he's looking at the players, and just because they play in a certain position, doesn't restrict where he's going to use them. So you know, it's exciting to see that Klopp can can assess a player and, and and go against what maybe has come before. I mean, I wrote a piece on Sunday, and I may have mentioned I got a column on Sunday. You may know that. You've got a column. Yeah, I got a column. Maybe thought that. Uh, talking about Jordan Henderson, and it was saying how touching on what Christian spoke about last week, and I think it was in this podcast about players transforming. Do you think that maybe Henderson's had to because of everybody that in front of him, Liverpool have got so many attacking riches, he's realised, hang on, if I'm going to be playing here, I'm going to have to learn how to change my game. Do you feel as though that's it, James? Uh, yeah. Go on, James. Yeah, I think, well, I think, I think it's probably more Klopp than, than Henderson himself. I think he's looked at, you know, how, I think he's always admired Henderson. He said that recently when he, was, when he asked about him. He said it was never... So there was speculation over the summer. Would would he keep the captaincy? Would he even continue as a Liverpool player? But I don't think that was ever two questions that Klopp really f- spent much time thinking about, because you know I think he knew that he hadn't seen the best of Henderson last season, and it was 
you know, as Christian said, it, what he's looked at is where where he can use players to to get the best out of them to fit his system. And you know, certainly, same with Wijnaldum. Really, you know, really, he isn't going to displace Mane or uh, you know Coutinho or Firmino if he's playing on one of those wider attacking roles. Um, so you know, he, I think he's he's had to adjust and drop a bit deeper. Same with Henderson, and and it's starting to work. And you know, it's amazing really to think that. You know, I thought this season Emre Chan would be such an important player for Liverpool. Obviously, as it's as it's turned out so far, there's obviously a long, long way to go. But you know, he had a pretty average pre-season with coming back late and then getting a knock and all the rest of it. He's hardly featured, um, and now suddenly you look at it and you think he's actually probably got a bit of a battle to get his place back. And you know, fast, you know, go, going back to to last season, I don't think you'd have predicted that. So it's it kind of just shows how the squad has evolved. And you know, and I think what was it? Eight of the starting lineup on Friday night were there last season. So it's like you know, yes, the new arrivals have made a difference, but more than anything, it's Klopp getting more out of the players that he already had. And they were, and they're going to say they're players that he largely inherited as well, wasn't it? Yeah, I mean, Emery Chan, one of them, of course. But I mean, talking about Chan, I mean, obviously, um, when he is fully back and fully fit, you've got Chan, Wijnaldum, Henderson, potentially three, fighting for potentially two places but what that potentially could do is it might release one album further forward it, it might also you could see a situation where all three of those played and he's finally able to give um Lalana a, a rest and uh, you know injuries to a certain extent always take care of these scenarios anyway and uh, it's, it's rare you get everybody fit to be able to you know have to make choices but uh, it it will be interesting to see because it, it's clear that the Henderson decision terms of having him play as this sort of six role wasn't just created because of the late arrival back from Chan and the necessity of having Henderson play there because Henderson spoke, didn't he, James, in his interview and said that, you know, this was something yeah. that Klopp had had planned since pre season for him, wasn't it? Yeah, no he did and you know it's yeah, it's not been thrown together. It's it, it's it was part of Klopp's plan from the start of pre season. Henderson said as soon as he came back from, from England duty it was something they worked on and him and Bovac mainly um, talking him through the positioning play. And I think probably a few weeks ago when Henderson was getting a fair bit of stick, Klopp was asked about it then and said he said he just needs to play to his strengths, not try and overcomplicate things, not try and try too hard. And you know, and I think that's been the big difference with Henderson the last two games against Leicester and at, and at Chelsea. So he, you know, he has, you know, he's just looked so much more comfortable in that role, and you know, it's it's working. I think. The first five games shows, by all means, you know, disagree with Klopp's plan, but don't ever question that he ever, you know, that if he ever had a plan, because I think it's very, very clear that from the the moment that whistle went in the Europa League final, he was formulating his his, his plans for, for this season, and he knew exactly which players he wanted to use, which players he didn't. There was a lot of consternation when uh, Joe Allen left, and people were going, "Well, why is why is he left? He can do this, that, and the other." And then you look at the way he sets up his midfield now. Alan would not work as a number six in that team, and Alan certainly wouldn't work for me in one of the advanced two positions. I don't think he's energetic enough. I don't think he he probably gets swamped a little bit too easily. I don't think he's physical enough either, and that's coming from someone who is a Joe Allen fan. But the way what Klopp is demanding of his midfield three now, it just it, it, it made sense to take the money. You know that Stoke offered, so. I think it's reflected, you know, everyone moans saying, oh, well, they didn't get this and he didn't get that over the summer and, you know, where's the left-back, where's the, the, where's the DM and all that sort of uh, palaver. But Klopp, 
from the very moment last season finished as has known exactly what he's wanted from this squad, I think. And, and you know, okay, he didn't necessarily get the players he wanted. It could have been easily been Zielinski lining up there instead of Wayne Alden. To uh, Hood instead of uh, Jordan Henderson. Um, and it could have been Ben Chilwell instead of uh, James Milner. But, you know, those players will have performed the exact same functions, I think, as the players that you saw at Stamford Bridge well, on well, Friday. It's interesting in terms of just very quick going back to the summer dealings. If you look at the start, that the, the two players that you know live. If you take Ben Teke over, two players got the most money for Jordan Ibe, who I think was hauled off at half time mm-hmm. for Bournemouth and hasn't had a great start there. And Joe Allen, obviously, was still bottom. Yeah, but we haven't played in the championship this and, season. Um, you know. They're in a situation now where Mark Hughes is probably, you know, a couple of more bad results away from, you know, questioning, you know, his future being questioned. I think he's a favourite, uh, him and Pulis are, and Pulis is only down, you know, down there as a favourite for for the sack because of the the new investment at West Brom, whether they'll want a new, you know, a new broom. So uh, interesting that you know the two Liverpool got rid of, are you know not having a great time at their new clubs. I mean, man- managers love, as you know, to split seasons up into games, number of games, and I think inevitably Liverpool fans will have looked at the first five games and thought, well, what are we going to get out of that? Now, if you'd have said beforehand that we're going to get 10 points, James, would you would you have taken that? 100%, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I think the only problem is you'd have had four guesses at which, of the five, which, of the, which one of the five they'd lose and you wouldn't have got it right, um, which leaves you that kind of nagging frustration of it's 10 points out of 15, but it, it should be more, but... Yeah, I think when you looked at that start, it was it was a nightmare start. Really, it couldn't have been any 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 tougher to you know Arsenal away, Tottenham away, Chelsea away, the champions at home, um, and then you know a fixture being reversed to a team that's just come up and is obviously still got that that autumn enthusiasm and optimism to it. Um, so yeah, it's been a. I think that that result at Chelsea changes everything. I think it changed the, the kind of the way that you know the, suddenly putting it into context. Now you look at it and you think. It turns you know, a decent enough start into an excellent one, uh, and for Liverpool to be so close to the top as they are, you know, having had four out of five away games, played three of the toughest fixtures the entire season, bodes really well for the the challenges ahead. I think the only thing is, we almost saw this from Klopp's team last season that in the it wasn't the big games that were the problem. It was so many of the other games, and you know, I was down at Stamford Bridge for his first league win as Liverpool manager last October and then saw Liverpool lose at home to Crystal Palace the following week. So that's why, in a funny kind of way, Hull at home this weekend is probably a, probably a, a bigger, I reckon, probably a, a bigger gauge of just how far this Liverpool team have come because they've got to start putting the, the cannon fodder to putting them uh, to the sword rather than you know slack, slacking off and, and paying the price like they have done previously. It's interesting because... There's always those fears that you know after the Lord Mayor show and that you know Liverpool can't lift themselves or or perform at the same level against some of the the lesser lights who'll come and you know hold their low block their two lines of four whatever you want to call it. Um, but interestingly, I think most of the fans I've spoken to over the over the weekend uh, just feel that at the minute and obviously you know touch wood, not wishing to you know tempt fate, but just feel that this Liverpool team are just better than those type of teams and with the addition of the likes of Mane who can you know just that burst of pace that can make a difference just think that you know there'll be a lot of fans going to the game on Saturday with 4-0s and 5-0s in their pockets on their slips and you know it's difficult to argue with them uh, you know with that optimism 
Um, I think you know, give me a you know, a one nil now. You know, I'd, I'd take it. But uh, you know, you have a feeling that you know if they maintain their level, Liverpool will just should should you know really have a handsome victory. Uh, you just you just feel like that Burnley game could easily be an anomaly. You know, it is the it is hard because it is the only game of that sort that Liverpool have had so far. But most you go one nil down to a, to a, a newly promoted team within two minutes through a bad mistake. It's going to be hard to get back into the into the into the game. Let's see what happens against Hull when it's you know it's it's nil nil after fifteen. But you know Liverpool are banging on the door. That's a much more different scenario than what they were faced with at uh, at Burnley. Or, or, or an even better, well, not a better scenario, but perhaps an even more interesting one. Snodgrass curls one from a free kick into the cup corner in the first five minutes. Okay, then you're one nil down to a lesser side again. But it's let's Anfield. Make sure, it's Anfield. Let's make sure we've learned the lessons from last time. And you know, as Klopp said, patience. That extra pass that didn't happen. You know, far too many. How many shots did we have at Burnley from? Coutinho the... had eight of the twenty-five. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> Two on target. You know, so it's that extra pass he was talking about. Well, obviously, there's another game before then. Which yes. is tomorrow night in the in the EFL Cup or the League Cup as as us normal people like to call it. Could be tonight if they listen tomorrow, or, or it could be yesterday if they listen to it on Wednesday. Yeah, we're recording this on Monday just yeah. to let everybody know uh, the game's tomorrow. James, you were at the press conference today with Jurgen Klopp. He kind of suggested he, while taking the competition seriously, he may make one or two changes. Are there any that you would like to see or should see or yeah, I think we'll see a few changes. I think it'll be similar to what he did at Burton in the last round. I think you know he's in a in a position of luxury at the moment where he can probably make two or three without really weakening the, the starting lineup. I mean, you, you look at the ones who have been on the bench and the ones that will come into contention. Obviously, Karius in goal. You've got Gruwich in midfield. Kevin Stewart might get a run out. Um, I think Divock Origi would probably start the game up front. Um, you know he. Klopp's kind of touched upon him still seeking that that rhythm that you only get from playing matches. So I'd imagine he'd see it as a as a good night for Origi. But um, but yeah, no, he was he was in in high spirits. He said you know, treating the competition very seriously. He said we had some great times en route to Wembley in it last season. He wants to take Liverpool back there and and go one better. Um, and he was he was interesting also on the fact that he he said he does watch a lot of Championship football. Obviously with his his best pal David Wagner being in charge of Huddersfield. Um, he said, you know, he 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 has he has watched a lot of second tier football, um, and he and he'd been impressed by it. He said, that, you know, he, he thinks that it's it's only slightly less technical, uh, and you know, very physical. And he said, you know, on their on their day, so many clubs at that level can be Premier League clubs. And um, and he, I think he also thinks that you know, Derby have had a disastrous opening six weeks of the season. I think six points from eight games. They only scored twice. They haven't scored a home league goal. This season, I think they're the only only club in the England's top five divisions that haven't managed to do that. But he said, you know, for them this will be a release. There's no pressure on them playing against Liverpool. The pressure is on Liverpool, um, so it'll be it'll be desperate to ensure that Liverpool just maintain this momentum. And I think he'll put a team out capable of doing that. Christian, is Jurgen Klopp right to take the League Cup seriously? Most definitely. You know, it's 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 winning is a habit, and you know, let's not beat around the bush here. Liverpool have not won enough trophies in the past ten years. Uh, they lost two finals for the start of last last season. Don't need any reminding about that. And it's it's also a you know it boxes off the Europa League nice and early if, if Liverpool are to win the AFL Cup. I mean obviously a small, very very small 
um, bonus there, but you know that just basically paves the way for, for you know guaranteed European football next season. Uh, Liverpool don't want to be obviously ordered for, t- for two years on the bounce. Obviously, they would rather be in the Champions League, but they can't turn the nose up the Europa League either. I don't think next season. Um, as I say, it's a trophy. It's it's a trophy. It it, instil- it instills a winner mentality, and it just helps them maybe get over the the problems of last season in terms of Wembley and Baal, where you know no one Liverpool will want to right that wrong as quickly as possible. Now, whether that's in the cups or qualification for the Champions League, uh, via the league or, or whatnot, they haven't got as many chances to do it this season. They haven't got Europe, obviously, so they've only really got three pops of, of glory, if you will. Um, but you know, there's, with no Europe, it's not like the the stretch. The, the squad's big enough to deal with it, so they they should go full pelt for, for every game. Andy, would you want to see Loris Carius making his debut? I think I wrote in the, in the paper this morning. If not now, when? You know, it ha- You know, this is the game. You know, it's from about a couple of weeks ago. It became obvious that this was, this was clearly the game. You know, once he uh, he was back training, um, you know, had the wire taken out of his hand from the break, and um, you know, it's an obvious starting point. It takes pressure off Klopp in terms of, you know, many teams rotate for the League Cup. You know, as you say, as we call it. Um, so it's an obvious place for Carriers to be given his chance. The big thing will be if, if say, you know, Touchwood Carriers were to keep a clean sheet and perform well, what does he do for Hull on uh, Saturday? Now, we've heard Klopp speak previously about speaking to John Acterbird, the goalkeeping coach, and seeing, you know, basically who's been impressing him in, in training. But where Carriers to come in? And keep a clean sheet when I think Liverpool have had one clean sheet in their last 13 away games. I think it is. Um, then, you know, there'd be a temptation to say, okay, you're in the team, you kept a clean sheet, off you go again. Um, then, you know, that might be slightly unfair to Simon Mignolet, uh, who hasn't done a lot wrong this season. You know, had a, two or three very good saves. Um, but I think most fans out there are expecting. At some stage this season, that Carrius becomes number one. I, mean, I was just going to say, if it's any other position, I don't think there will be any debate that the the new sign and comes in, plays well, keeps his place. But goalkeeping is, I mean, you know, it, it's such a different position. There's there's a lot more pressure attached to it for some reason, and it's a lot more difficult to bed in a goalkeeper than say a, a centre mid or a, a right winger or or a striker. Which makes me wonder, just you know, if Carius even does, even if Carius has a stormer, is it going to be a case of well, Mignolet's done nothing wrong in the league? So it's going to be a difficult know, choice. Because if mean... you throw Carius in against Hull, the pressure on his shoulders then not. I mean, we we've already talked about you know his confidence, but let's say Carius does start against Derby, and then he starts against Hull, he just can't afford to to throw one in. And I know that's a really pessimistic outlook, but it, the, the the pressure is then on, on Carriers not to not to mess up. I was going to say that because for a lot of fans, they won't have seen Carriers play before, really. So they, it'll be very much a curiosity on Tuesday. And if he comes in and maybe isn't very convincing, then there'll be a lot of fans who'll just go, oh, hang on a minute. Yeah, I mean, there's, the safe, I mean the, the, there's another scenario where, you know, Let's let's say Derby score, but there's there's you know it's not it's not a mess up. It's just a goal that you know goalkeepers concede goals. That's what the game's about. You just can't save some of them. So if he does come in, let one or two in, which hopefully he won't. But if he does, then you know you'd have to think that the you know there's every chance that Simon Mignolet 
uh, will get a chance to hold on to the Premier League position again. It's, I mean, it's it's a difficult decision that Klopp's really pleased he's got, if you know what I mean. He'll be very pleased if Carries comes in and does well and gives him, uh, you know, a difficult choice. Uh, the worst case scenario is, you know, Carries comes in, Christian's phrase throws one in, then you know we're back in a, a scenario where where are we at with our goalkeepers. There's obviously nervousness among some supporters about uh, Simon Mignolet. Um, but, you know, you would think in that scenario that Simon Mignolet would be back in the team. It'd be interesting to see what Klopp, if he says anything to Mignolet about in terms of, you know, why, you know, Carrius will, you know, if he does play him tomorrow night, why Carrius is getting his chance. Um, from what we've heard from Klopp before, the team goes on a board and everybody knows not to talk to him about it until after the game. So, you know, because he's not going to change his mind. So, there's, you know, if it, if he were to play Carrius, then I suspect Mignolet will basically be left to ponder that on his own, and it'll probably he'll probably work on the basis that you know it's the League Cup, it's rotation. But we're nearly finished. Uh, I'm just going to throw one last question on our, our three fine fellows here, which they've not been prepared for, um, and it's basically this: I mean, we've had a month of the season. What's the one thing? Start with you, Andy. What's the one thing that has surprised you most about Liverpool? It can be a player, it can be a tactical thing, it can be the fact that the water didn't work in the main stand, it can be anything. Um, <laughs> um, uh, Which obviously buys time for Christian yes. and James here. I mean, I mean it's, it's very obvious, but I suppose the, the most surprising thing to me is how good Mane's been so quickly. I think that's probably been, the, the, you know, from the very... James and I were lucky enough to be at the Emirates on the first day, and you know, from the very that first half when Liverpool were under the cosh, and he was like he was the one who was taking responsibility and the one Liverpool player who really played in that very very first half, and he's done everything pretty much since. Don't even think he had a, a brilliant game against Chelsea on, on Friday. You know, I think Chelsea handled him pretty well, but you know, if I think they did it by getting men around him, and if they're getting men around him then it's creating space for for everybody else. So it's a very obvious answer, but I don't think you can look past, you know, the the guy who's been our man of the season so far. Christian, are you going to be as obvious? Uh, I don't know if it's obvious. I'm going to say the acceptance of Adam Lallana. I think uh, it was a surprise to see him drop into that into that midfield three. If this was fighting talk, I'd be ringing my bell. Should have got you. Just glad he hasn't yeah. my one. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, I just think. Uh, more, more so, you know, as I say, it was a surprise him dropping into that midfield three. I mean, he's been superb, but just the fans love him. The fans were chanting his name again. They were chanting it against Leicester. They were chanting it against Chelsea. He's, you know, he's someone who struggled for acceptance from uh, from the from the cop and, and from the away fans as well. Um, it, it's nice to see a player can, you know, sort of can rehabilitate and, and you know, someone who was regarded as a bit of a flaky. Luxury player is, is a real central part of what Liverpool are trying to do, and he's getting recognition in the stands. You know, in the in the national media now, people are talking about him as an important player for England, and uh, you know, this is the same player who Roy Hodgson, you know, bizarrely dropped for the Iceland game, um, even though he was one of England's best players of the Euros. It's just nice to see him, you know, just to, you know, just to justify, you know, a lot of a lot of the faith that I think. A lot of us in in this room had over him, and you know we we you're not saying we'd always write about everything, but you know personally I've always sort of thought Lallana's a, a decent player. Um, he, he got a lot of unfair stick. He, he gets hell of a lot of stick on, on social media for 
for apparently doing too many interviews. What's, you know, what's, that, what's that all well, about? Well, long, long yeah. way of those yeah. players. <laughs> God bless but, you them. Know, <laughs> never be frowned upon. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, you know, just, yeah, the, the, you know, the, the, the re-emergence of Adam Alana, I suppose, as a, as a top player in the stands. James, I know you're dying for this. Go on. Joel Matip, um, just because I think since Jamie Carragher retired, Liverpool have been crying out for someone who was a, a real defensive leader and just have some stability back there. And, you know, I think you know, the speed with which he's settled in, I think it, that's been a kind of feature of the opening month throughout the squad as well. I remember, like, you speak to like, Lovren in his first season and Alana in his first season, they'd always go on about, God, they had the pressure and expectation of being a Liverpool player. And God, you know, nothing prepares you for this, you know. You could be a six or seven out of ten every week at Southampton, and no one would ever complain. If you're six out of ten here, you get absolutely slaughtered. And yeah, but so many of the new arrivals, there's so much just seem to have slotted straight in. And obviously, Mane is probably the perfect example of that. When Aldum has also kicked on, uh, and Matip, I just think he's an absolute class act. And I think we touched upon it last week. That's why it kind of it makes this like the, the net spend argument just absolutely redundant, doesn't it? Because you know he he didn't cost Liverpool a, a pound, but you know, he's a twenty, twenty-five million pound centre back. Um, I thought he was absolutely brilliant against Chelsea. The way that he dealt with Costa, um, I was, I was amazed just how subdued Costa was throughout, and that was testament to the way Matip dealt with him. The way that he, you know, he got his foot in. He, he won so many fifty-fifty battles with him, and he uses the ball so intelligently. And I think Lovren's benefited as well from having Matip alongside him because he's just so ice cool and composed and calm on the on the ball. And, you know, I think Liverpool have benefited a lot from having Joel Matip in the team. I think how good Matip's been has been shown um, by the fact that on Friday when he was probably the number one culprit on the Chelsea goal by that slide in. And he, he slid in because it was, it was a slide in of utter confidence that he, he was going to deal with um, Matic, who, um, who he just didn't think had in his game the sort of the fake and go to the line, which he did. So, I mean, fair play to the Chelsea player. But uh, Matip was so confident, I'm just going to slide in here, take this off you and dance off up the pitch like the class act I am. And uh, it was slight overconfidence. And, you know, he was, you know, that was probably one of the very rare things he did wrong. But you'll, uh, you'll, you'll learn from that as he gets to know more and more players in this league. Uh, the only thing I disagree with with Piercy on that is that um, I always, I always sort of, thought Matip would be really good just because of how the Schalke fans were when he was leaving. I mean, he was absolutely loaded there, wasn't he? So I just think it was a sign that, you know, he's a really good good player and I sort of always expected that he'd sort of, um, you know, be very good. Still very early days, of course, and, you know, he hasn't got roughed up yet by, by anybody and hopefully he won't. But, um, you know, there will be occasions when people will try that to do, uh, to do that to him and obviously I think we know he's been trying to They've been trying to strengthen him up and bulk him up like they did with Origi to to get him ready for that. But uh, yeah, no, he, an absolute class act by yeah. by the loops. He's faced Kane, Vardy and Costa, and he's he's pretty much kept all of them quiet. You know, certainly you know, Vardy only scored because Lucas put it on a plate. So you know, it, you, that just goes to prove I think well, a bit of a baptism of fire, but he's come out of it so well. It's unbelievable. I'm going to have to say that my surprise so far is that I was at the game against Leicester and I heard the main stand break out into a song 
which I think is a surprise for just anybody who was there. Shown by lots of young people yes, in the main stand. Yes, the average, well. the average age of the main stand has, has gone down considerably since they built the new one. Uh, but I think that'll do us for now. Join us uh, later this week where we look ahead to the game against Hull and hopefully look back at a, a win for Liverpool at Derby in the League Cup. See you then. <laughs>